Now, you may recall on the last day of that Pyongyang inter-Korean summit recently when President Moon Jae-in and Chairman Kim Jong-un went up to the Tangun peak of Pektu Mountain together. Not only was it in President Moon's bucket list, apparently, to climb Mount Pektu from the North Korean side, but also it was a very meaningful gesture considering the symbolic significance of the place. Pektu Degan, known as the backbone of the Korean peninsula, is a mountain range that runs for 1,400 kilometers from that particular peak I just mentioned all the way down to Jirisan. And uh, to celebrate National Foundation Day, or Kechonchol, we have a guest who became the first foreigner to walk the Pektu Degan in its entirety. Roger Shepard of Hike Korea, a company that promotes Korean mountains to the world, author of the Pektu Degan Trail, an English language guidebook. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, morning, Alex. Thank you for having me on. Good morning to you. So, as a New Zealander by heritage and culture, uh, with spectacular mountain scenes of your own, as showcased by the Lord of the Rings films, uh, well, the locations used for them anyway, um, what made you turn to Korea? Yeah, I, I taught English here a long time ago, previously for about a year, and then... Um, I'd gone back to my home country, New Zealand, and I had some leave to use from my job. So I came back here. I knew there was a lot of mountains here in Korea, and uh, mountains are pretty unexplored in Korea, I guess, as far as foreigners go. And then um, my plan was to hike its national parks. So I had about a couple months leave to use. And a good buddy of mine, Andrew, he introduced me to the Pacto Day Garden, the spine of Korea, and um, had a look at that. And uh, I said, yeah, that's what I want to do. So I hiked that and um, kind of never looked back after that. What I did like about Korean mountains was, you know, there were so many of them. Um, they're all accessible. They're all rooted deeply with trails and there's a lot of culture and history attached to them. And they're also quite stunning. So they were, you know, accessible compared to, say, I guess my home country of New Zealand where, sure, there's national parks and they're all accessible there, but there's a lot of private land in New Zealand too, so you just can't go wandering as you will. Um, wherever you like in a country like New Zealand. But in Korea, you actually can do that because there's no you know, fenced private properties or large farms full of grazing animals. So, you know, as being a, a guy who, you know, ha- had the opportunity to do that himself, uh, I felt like I was the first person doing it properly anyway. So it's always been an adventure for me to be able to do this. It's interesting to hear you talk about accessibility in Korea, because while I don't want to contradict what you're saying, uh, the South Korean listeners we have would think, well, there's just so much of North Korea that they cannot access readily. Um, What about for you as a foreigner? Well, I was talking about South Korea, actually, but like in North Korea, yeah, I mean, I had to seek special permission to go there and explore their mountains there. It's not just a willy-nilly turn up and do what you want type idea or project. So, yeah, I mean, and even then it's limited because um, the place is so big. It would take years and years and years to fully discover all the peaks in North Korea that um, are yet to be probably, probably, uh, properly researched anyway. So, yeah, I mean, you know, North Korea was a, a good idea for me. It didn't make sense after hiking the Big Today in South Korea. I find everything out half complete and then um, North Korea was an option uh, for me to go there and see what I could do and then everything kind of slowly grew after that as well. 
What is it that makes the Begtudegan Trail so interesting? We are surrounded here in Seoul, where I'm sitting right now, by mountains. And to some people who are not massively into hiking, one mountain is the same as another. Uh, f- can you spell out what makes your tr- trail that you've written about special? Well, the Koreans make it special, and it's not really a trail. It's a, it's a ridge that's become a trail in South Korea. So it's a continuous ridge that starts at Paegtusan Mountain, which is Korea's highest, holiest mountain, and the kind of the sacred birthplace of themselves as, as a people. And it stretches all the way down to Chanambong and Jirisan Mountain, uh, where it ends, but it doesn't actually end there. It actually continues onwards into the sea. And uh, some people like to think that it reappears on Halasan at the mountain there. Halasan is the uh, largest mountain in the southern part of the peninsula. It's also a volcano, like Paegtusan, and also held very sacredly by the people of Korea, too. Uh, but it's also like um, it's the watershed of all of Korea's rivers. So water doesn't cut the ridge. It is continuous. Uh, Korean people like to claim also that it holds geomantic powers, a thing they call Pungsu Jiri. So from Paegtusan, this life-giving energy is transmitted through spying, the Paegtudegan, all the way down the peninsula. And then uh, throughout its, all its subsidiary ridges and lesser ridges and, and lesser, lesser ridges, and then into its waters, and then into eventually into the people via food and air. So it's seen as a giant ecosystem, you might say. Here in the South, they, they talk about the Pag Dagan as being you know, a spine of Korea, which it is. Uh, you mentioned before that Seoul City is surrounded by mountains, uh, which is true, as in most places are in Korea. But in the North, they, the concept of the Pag Dagan is a thing they call the, uh, the Pag Dagan, meaning that, yes, there is a spine, but in fact... All mountains, all ridges are connected back to the spine of Korea and therefore are all intermittently entwined all the way back to Paegtusan Mountain. So their concept in the north is that all mountains are part of the Paegtusan. So if you, yeah, so it it actually is quite true too. Uh, Korea is quite unique in its topography in that sense that um, practically all the mountains and ridges in Korea do end up back on the Paegtusan, the spine of Korea which eventually ends or starts at Paegtusan. And then yeah. I guess if you'd look at it in a different way too, like the two of Korea's greatest rivers, I think at least maybe the two longest, I think. I know one is the Amnokgang River. They actually are formed from Paegtusan Mountain and they actually form the frontier of the Korean Peninsula at the moment. So if you, took, if you look at what land masses are, uh, you can see above water then... Paegtusan Mountain is the only land bridge that actually connects the Korean Peninsula to the Asian continent. So it, it is almost kind of a standalone peak in the sense that all the other mountains on the peninsula are connected back to that mountain. So there's a whole giant concept of spirituality and geomantic energies and nationalism and mythologies connected to not only Paegtusan, but a lot of mountains on the Korean Peninsula. Well, also connected to what today is, this national holiday, which... Um, is, is why it's so appropriate that we're, we're speaking to you on this occasion. What about the spiritual and mythological sides of things? Did you have moments when you're walking along this ridge where you start to wonder about the, you know, these less scientifically observed phenomena or claims? 
Yeah, I guess you can say if you spend enough time in the outdoors, you will have moments. I probably had more so back in the past than I might do these days because I think in the beginning when you're doing it as a traveler and as a wanderer, um, you know, you're a lot more open to those types of suggestions and maybe um, enjoying the adventure of it all more so. I, I did sometimes feel as though there was a sense of like you know, deja vu uh, in certain moments and peaks in the mountains. Um, but you can be influenced to think like that also by the fact of the things that you visit and see along the way, uh, Buddhist temples um, and then connections, and then ancient shrines before Buddhism, like in Tebeksan, there's the Tsonze Dan, which is a kind of a, an ancient mountain spirit worship altar or a sun-worshipping altar. So, you know, we have to remember that the Korean people have been here since the Ice Age, they've always more or less had their own language and therefore their own culture to go with it that differentiates between, say, the multi-tribalisms of China back in the day and then the island tribes of the Jap- Jap- and the nation of Japan. So they've been doing this for a long time and you know, animism and shamanism is deeply rooted into their culture from the past. And you know, Buddhism was a more recent foreign religion that arrived here in about the 3rd or 4th century after Christ and then recently there's been Christianity introduced to the people here too but I I think the Korean people have always lived amongst mountains so mountains have always been a part of their psyche and their DNA you know that every day they get up to work the fields there's always a mountain there and most villages in Korea even now will all know the names of the peaks around their village and understand that these mountain peaks provide them with water for their food, even though it's mixed up with modernization too and modern agricultural equipment and stuff like that. But the old people will still pay reverence to their mountains. Really interesting. Now, back to mountain itself. Uh, we, we heard from President Moon, as I mentioned before, how significant it is to see that from the Korean side rather than having to go around to China as generally South Koreans have to do. But Jirisan, uh, down in the south of the country, is widely accessible. Um, there are legends around that at the, at the foot of this um, range, if we like. One of them is it takes three generations of accumulated virtue for a person to see the sunrise from Jirisan's Tonwang Peak. Have you been able to do that? Oh, I've seen it several times, yeah. Maybe they should stop working so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They can easily do it on a weekend these days. Uh, Like, yeah, I mean, I've done it several times. I've done it with guests because I do guided tours here in Korea, and um, they've always enjoyed that experience. And the weather's not always favourable. But I do understand what it means to the Korean people, you know, to be able to see the sunrise from Chalambong. Chirisan literally means a mountain of exquisite wisdom. So there's a lot of deep culture and history and mythologies attached to Chidi Mountain because it is a big cluster of mountains. It's quite a large area. And um, it's a great provider of water and uh, clean air for this region as well. And there's a lot of religious and spiritual connections connected to the mountain. So it's been held deeply by the Korean people for thousands of years, Chidi Mountain. So I, I always think uh, of the moon bears down there as well. Oh, uh, right. Yes, yeah. And that always also connects me to kind of a slight sadness that that we've lost some of our wildlife on this peninsula. But can you tell us about any of the wildlife you saw when you were out and about? Uh, I don't see a lot of it. I mean, you know, it's quite densely populated here in the south these days. 
the moon bears had always been known to have existed in Jiri, but there were less in numbers. And then I think it was about 25 years ago, um, a filmmaker actually relocated a small population. And then after that, they launched a restoration project to save them. And then they actually brought in moon bears from North Korea to help with the breeding program for that. Uh, so when I was in North Korea, for example, I'm always asking uh, people about local wildlife. And I have seen, not bears, but I have seen bear sign in North Korea in the mountains there, like bear poo and bear tracks. And you've got to remember, North Korea is much less populated than it is in the south, and there's really very no infrastructure at all on the Bay to Dagon in North Korea, so meaning that's very wild and touched and quite pristine. Therefore, yeah. also also very hard to see wildlife and spot wildlife too because it's so thick. Good but to know it's there, though. Yeah, yeah, a lot of local people in the north um, have had eyewitness accounts of big cats in the hills, you might say. So they could be tigers or leopards or large lynx. Uh, and a lot of people were adamant that tiger still exists in North Korea, as far down as the central parts of North Korea, using the Pek Today gun as a as a migration route for the tigers. And, and you know, the tigers did obviously used to exist in the northern regions of North Korea, and they used to migrate through China and into Siberia. But the uh, population now is kind of contained to the Siberian region due to industrialization in China. Um, but the, the idea that they're still roaming... Even just the northern part of Korea is intriguing, to say the least, and it also brings us back to the Foundation Day, the symbolic importance of the tiger, a great place to finish with you today, Roger Shepard of Hike Korea, author of the Baekdu Degan Trail. Thank you. Thank you.